AcreTrader is an online farmland investing platform. We make it very easy for individual investors to come on and invest directly in U.S. farmland. And it's very simple. You invest through our platform. We go out and collect rent. The farmer pays rent to use that land. And the investors can make money two ways. They can make money from appreciation in the farmland value, and they can also make money from the farmer paying rent. Hi everyone, it's Julie Verhage Greenberg here with your Tux Time podcast from FinTech Today, where we talk about all things FinTech. And in this episode, I am joined by Carter Malloy, CEO of AcreTrader. And for those that did not know, I actually grew up on a dairy farm in Michigan. So I feel like this is like my like childhood and my career all coming together here. I'm really excited to dive into it. Carter, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Julie. So tell us a little bit, I, I would assume that there's some people on here uh, that have not heard of Acre Trader before, but they might have heard of the idea of what you guys are doing, just especially with the rise of alternative investments. Yeah, absolutely. So Acre Trader is an online farmland investing platform. So we make it very easy for individual investors to come on and invest directly in, in U.S. farmland through, through an LLC. So it's a very simple process. It takes a few minutes. And rather than going out and buying a, a million-dollar farm, an investor can come onto our website and invest $20,000 in a farm as opposed to taking on a whole farm. We take care of everything from there. Uh, so, it's, again, it's a simple, easy electronic platform. We take care of management, administration, payments, et cetera. And it's very simple. You, you usually uh, invest in a farm through our platform. We go out and collect rent. The farmer pays rent just like a standard landlord would to use that land. And so the investors can make money two ways. They can make money from uh, appreciation in the farmland value, and they can also make money from the farmer paying rent. Got it. Okay. So something that like, comes to my mind right away is just like, as someone that owns farmland, there's a lot of things you have to keep in mind. Like you're typically growing something on it every single year and whatnot. How, how is this different than like actually owning it? For me, like it sounds a little bit better. Like I just kind of hope that the land itself goes up in value. Is that essentially what I'm hoping? Or are you taking some sort of stake in how well that land does each year? That's right. So a, a little bit of both is, is the answer. So uh, for, for the investors, we do have a full team here, uh, seven or so people and growing very quickly, uh, plus backed up by data scientists and, and agronomists and geospatial analysts out looking for uh, great farmland investments. So, so they're scouring the earth. We're looking at uh, an unbelievable amount of farms every week to try to find that one that fits the platform, uh, that, that one that we find to be exciting. And, and we put that up for investment uh, on the platform. So, you know, again, for the investors, you're, you're exactly right. You, you can make money from the rent, but also from the appreciation in the land, land value going up over time, which it has done very consistently for a long time. And perhaps that's what's uh, most interesting or exciting about land investing is the diversification it can provide a portfolio, the, the risk-adjusted returns. So it's, it's put up uh, like a 11% kind of or a little above that annual return, uh, average annual return over the last 30 years with, with a highly consistent return. So it doesn't whip around a lot like the stock market may. Uh, and then it has, has also helped serve as an inflation hedge. So it's, it's been very correlated to inflation historically and certainly with a lot of inflation concerns out there in the economy, it's, it's proven to be a, a really unique and interesting asset today. Yeah. So something that I think of is just like with the pandemic, people sort of want to do look more into alternative investments and whatnot. I know we've had um, other founders on here that help people invest in startups and whatnot. How has Acre Traders seen its customer growth 
what like what does that look like over the past year or two? Because I would assume that you know you guys have gotten a lot more inbounds, people looking to actually make investments on the platform. Um, but what exactly has that looked like? Yeah, it, it has uh, been many, many multiples is perhaps the, the best way to, to say it. So uh, in terms of the number of farms or the assets that, that we manage today uh, versus a, a year ago, it's up something like 8 to, to 10x. Uh, so, so the business has been growing uh, at a truly unbelievable pace. <clears throat> that, that being said, it, it's still very measured growth. And, and what I mean by that is we could have in that time grown 20 or 30x if we didn't care so much about diligence. We didn't care so much about the quality of, of offering that goes onto the platform. The best way I can I could show that or express that is by going on our website right now. You, you probably will not see a farm for investment on there. We put a farm up, they usually get subscribed in hours or days, uh, and that will leave days or weeks where there is not a farm on the platform. And, and so we, we adhere to very, very strict diligence standards before any offering goes on the website. And I think that makes us very, very unique. Our, our willingness to like literally forego revenue and forego growth in, in trade for quality of, of outcomes and quality of return uh, to our investors. And I think, think that's what, what we're excited about is that we, we know we're building a very sustainable business for the long term uh, that, that we hope and, and expect will, will bring some, some great outcomes along the way. Who is the like customer profile that's investing in farms? Is it millennials? Is it boomers? Is it men? Is it women? What does that look like? It, it's, it tends to be everyone. I don't mean to be coy with that answer. Uh, everything from individual investors that are uh, you know, the, the casual doctor investor uh, to, to actual family offices and, and folks that are more institutionalized in their investing uh, that want to add farmland to their, their portfolio. Uh, so it, it really does run the gamut. Young, old, men, women, uh, they, they all are from the United States. So we, we do, from a compliance standpoint, we are focused only on U.S. investors today to, to make sure that we, we continue to get that very, very right. Uh, so perhaps the only common theme of our investors is that they're all, they are all uh, U.S.-based. So obviously land is a, a finite resource. There's only so much of it. How does that play into your thoughts on starting this company and why you think people should invest in farmland in particular? I think that's a, a great question and that land is exactly a finite resource. That's why we are excited about it. The, the, the supply and demand, right? It all comes down to basic economics. We only have so much land in the United States and it's shrinking every minute. So we lose something like three acres of farmland per minute in the U.S. It's a crazy statistic. And on the other side of that, you have more and more people. They, they demand more products. They do like to eat. Uh, we all got to eat, right? It's, it's a pretty common theme. So, so you have <laughs> continuously growing uh, demand from, from the mouths to feed out there and, and shrinking supply of farmland. So, so that has certainly been a factor in, in the growth and value of farmland over time, and, and we believe... Uh, likely continues to be. So say I'm someone that wants to go look at farmland on your platform. What should, like, what sort of qualifications do I need to have as well as what's like the minimum investment? You say things sell out very quickly. How often are things actually popping up on there? We, we usually have a, a farm a week on the platform, give or take. Uh, minimum investments tend to be around 15 or 20,000. And, and so it is, it is currently focused on accredited investors. We, we do hope to expand that in the future for, for the platform, though, though today it is U.S.-based accredited investors. 
And in terms of the, the questions they should be asking, uh, we love to hear from investors. We love to get phone calls from them, emails from them. And, and we, the best investor to us is an educated investor. Right? The most important thing to us is that anyone investing on our platform truly understands what they're getting into and, and both the ups and the downs and, and the good and the bad and uh, on, on, a, on an asset basis as well as a particular parcel. We, we really want to be challenged and, and we, we enjoy getting those phone calls. So what if I flip the side of the coin and say I'm a farmer that wants to sell my land to you, lease my land to you, whatever. Like, how would my parents go about doing that? <laughs> yeah. So, so farmers are, uh, it, we're a two-sided marketplace, right? So we, we work with investors and farmers every day, all day, every day. And, and it has to be good outcomes for farmers as well. Farmers tend to be our greatest source of supply of, of land. And, and what, I, what I mean by that is we get a call from a farmer and he says, hey, I know that Betty Jo next door to me is retiring. I was at her house last week and she's retiring and I would love to farm that land. I've known her for my whole life. And uh, it, it, would it be possible for, for you guys to purchase that land and I will lease that land from you? I don't have $3 million to buy that parcel, uh, but I would love to rent that land and, and grow my business. So like, absolutely, yes, that's a win-win for, for that farmer and, and for us. And it's how we, we find a lot of off-market deal flow. We also do lots of sale leasebacks. So the farmer wants to free up a little capital. And so they sell some land and they're able to go out and maybe buy more equipment. But what is important to note is that about 40% of US farmland is, is absentee owned, right? So a trillion dollars of farmland is rented out roughly in the mm -hmm. US is rented out every year. So we're not recreating the wheel in any, any way in terms of having that renter relationship with, with the farmer. Uh, what we are doing is providing new and different solutions to that farmer in terms of partnership. Got it. You know, that makes sense. I believe of the like hundreds of acres that my parents own, a majority of it, or not own, that they farm, uh, lots of it is leased. They don't actually own it themselves. They just rent it out from other folks. Uh, so... Over the pandemic, obviously, we've seen this trend of people wanting to have these alternative investments. Why farmland and not land, though? Is that something you could branch out into in the future? Um, I would assume that that'd be the next logical one versus doing something completely different like startups or other sorts of alternative investments, art, for example. That's right. Uh, land, so pasture land, recreational ground, ranches, uh, is certainly interesting and has proven to be a good investment over time as well. However, similar to other uh, hard assets like art or collectibles, all of which are, are interesting investments, they don't necessarily produce income. And we do like income. So that is something uh, that, that's very attractive about farmland is that it tends to produce a consistent income over time, right? So you, you have exposure to that appreciation, but you can also get a coupon every year, right? That's why people invest in bonds, right? That's an extremely common investment. You, you invest in a bond and that you hope that bond pays you today's market, something teeny tiny, right? But one or 2%, you know, maybe 4% if you're crazy speculative, you, you hope that bond pays you a little bit of money every year. And then at the end of the life of that investment, you hope to get out even roughly. Uh, with farmland, it's the same idea. We love that coupon is what, what you call it with bonds, the, the income that you get from it each year. Uh, but there's an opportunity to get out well ahead of where you invest in. That, that has proven over time to be the case uh, for farmland investments is that you have that income, that, that residual, call it mailbox money, just like you do with, with a bond. But there's the opportunity for the land to also appreciate underneath you while, while you hold it. 
Got it. Okay. So this is, I mean, it makes sense to me as a farmer, but I feel like a lot of people wouldn't have necessarily thought of this idea. What gave you the idea to start this company? I spent a dozen years in equity investing. So was, was most recently working at a long short equity fund. And in the background of, of that career, I grew up in a farming family. My dad's a farmer. So had been, had been buying oh, yeah. and selling. Yeah. So had been buying <laughs> and selling farmland in the background of, of, of equity investing and, and having like pretty great financial outcomes. It was like surprising, right? Like, wow, this is pretty straightforward and there's not many people out here doing this. And, and ultimately had a, had a neighbor, I was living in San Francisco at the time and had a neighbor who was like, Hey, I want to invest too. So I went online and just, oh my gosh, moment, here's this $3 trillion asset class, putting up great investment returns, providing portfolio diversification, no correlation really to other major asset classes, like just this fascinating way to invest uh, where it seemed pretty straightforward. And yet there wasn't really anything for, for most people to participate in, in what is ultimately a great American pursuit, right? Beyond it, beyond the, the, the pure financials and the hardcore uh, attractiveness of the asset, like it's also really cool. We're involved with farming. We're, we're helping the U.S. farmer uh, and, and so and putting money in rural communities. So it's something that was really exciting to me personally and, and ultimately uh, is, has, you know, now for over uh, for three years or so has been my job and, and absolutely love it. We're a very fast-growing company. We're about 40 people today and uh, hiring, hiring more every day. So something else that I think about is, you know, customer acquisition in the sense that like getting farmers, I don't think it's as hard to get people to want to invest in farmland. What I see is like my parents, I would think probably have never heard of you as well as a lot of other farmers haven't because they don't stay up to date on what Silicon Valley is doing and whatnot. So how do you get the word out to farming communities? Because that seems like, in my mind, a hard audience to reach. It is. And first, we are we're based in Arkansas, so it is actually <laughs> it's actually a material advantage. I, I while I lived spent a lot of my career in, in San Francisco, uh, it is important we are not in Silicon Valley. We are not on Wall Street. There is a lot of you know immediate and, and sometimes appropriately negative reaction to oh the Wall Street folks are out here on my farm, right? And we're like hey half our office wears boots here, and you know <laughs> we we get it we get upset with each other for tracking mud into the office. Um, you know, we, we are rednecks, I guess, is the best way to put it. And, and so, so it is important that, that we are out here uh, in working with those farmers and in that communication to your question. Uh, but also, we, we do actively outreach. So we have marketing programs. We have segments of our website. We have tons of online tools for farmers to use, and they discover us that way. Then we, we advertise in farming magazines, et cetera, as well. You know, perhaps the, the best way to say that is our farm team has done thousands of, of qualified calls with farmers and landowners this year already. So we are very, very active in communicating with farmers, with uh, people throughout the value chain in the rural agricultural economy of the United States to try to find more partners to work with. When you were going out, even though you're not based in Silicon Valley, I'm sure you were pitching, investing in your company to people that live in Silicon Valley and Wall Street uh, maybe now in Austin or Miami since people are moving to those cities. But what, uh, what has been the fundraising process? What's that been like, just given that it is very different than something like an Uber or like a banking as a service company, for instance? Fundraising for our company, uh, so, so raising venture capital for the business, has been great. And, and I, I may sound weird to say that, but we have incredible partners, uh, you know, and it's been pretty straightforward. Our 
our Series A round, which we did earlier this year, was was oversubscribed, and we had uh, you know multiple lead investors uh, uh, pr- provide term sheets on that round. We, we were we're really fortunate to sit within a great market. We get we have great people on our team, and and we've got a great product. Uh, so I think you know for for investors and businesses, those things are very attractive, and and as a result, uh, there, there's been uh, tremendous capital interest in our business and, and investment in our business. And, and, and frankly, you know, there are some ups and some downs uh, being in, in, in Arkansas versus Silicon Valley in, in terms of the venture capital track. But ultimately, we, we view it as a huge positive. It, it is definitively a positive for our business itself and, and ultimately, I believe, has been a differentiator uh, for, our, for our company. Does it take a lot of time to explain your company to these folks or do they get it generally quickly? Because for me, like I, I sort of understand it fairly quickly just because of my background. But most venture capitalists and other people that you're pitching to did not grow up on farms like you and me. That that is correct. Uh, it, it is a new market, but in, investors and VCs are very good at learning new markets quickly. And ultimately, you know, it's a pretty quick litmus test: is it big, right? And they look at this market and go, "Oh my gosh, yeah, it's it's massive." And, and there's a real opportunity for, for disruption and, and providing what ultimately we do is provide better outcomes for buyers and sellers of farmland. And, and there's, there's a, a truly enormous opportunity to, to continue doing that. And if we continue doing that, but we, we believe we will build a very large business along the way. What, uh, what has been the average return for the investments on your platform? So we, for, for farmland as a whole, uh, it's been a, around 11% over a very long period of time. We as a company are young and do not have many exits within our business. Uh, I will say over the coming months, we will have some. We've also joined uh, the industry uh, measuring stick, I guess the best way to put it, NC Reef, N-C-R-E-I-F, which is a private equity tool for uh, both real estate private equity as well as farmland private equity. And so uh, we, we are the only platform that, that is participating there and, and providing the information to them so that we can stack up our performance and show it. I will say, uh, while I don't want to be in front of, of uh, you know, giving that data out, I will say we are very, very excited to begin sharing that in the, in the near future. On that, and also on the fact that you said that you, you do a lot of due diligence and you're picky on which investments that you're actually putting on the platform, what are some of the things that you guys look for to say like, hey, this checks the boxes, we can list it? So our, our farm team has a roughly 100-point checklist that they go through <laughs> uh, on, a, on a per farm basis. And, and that, that ultimately boils down into three phases of diligence, right? So there, there's a whole sourcing effort that goes on to, like we discussed a moment ago, to find the farms, to find the farmers. Uh, then, then beyond that sourcing effort is varying uh, levels of intensity through phase one, phase two, and phase three. Uh, you know, uh, Early on, you start out with mapping and, and data science and software to understand what you can from an armchair. And then you start to go, all right, this is actually a pretty fascinating farm. Let's dig in a little deeper, have the team start calling people in the local area, uh, get somebody out there to go see it, et cetera. So it it is a a very involved process, but ultimately it boils down to three things, water, soil, and financial profile. Is there great water? And and in the Midwest, can we get the water off of the farm, which is equally (laughs) important. So is there great water? Is there great soil that's, that's uh, adaptable and, and uh, you know, very good for this particular use case we're looking for? And then what's the financial profile of that farm? And that, that includes tons of other 
intrinsic and ex- extrinsic factors, uh, bo- both you know the actual value on a, a top-down and bottom-up basis, but also what's the local tenant market like? Are there other people that can rent this farm? You know, how's the neighborhood? That that, that kind of stuff. So, it, it is, uh, for better or worse, it is a very intense process, but it is one that we are we adhere to in, in an incredibly strict manner because uh, we don't have a lot of margin for error. Right? We we need to get this right. Which areas of the country have you seen most pass this test to be able to list on the platform? Midwest, down in Arkansas, Bayou, over in California? We tend to do more in the Midwest and the, the uh, Mississippi River Delta. So there tends to be more farms and certainly better water. We have California farms. Uh, I can say out loud, all of our California farms this year in the middle of the drought are getting all of their water uh, and within budget. That is a very unique statement that I'm proud to make out loud uh, because California is a very dangerous place and you have to be unbelievably picky and unbelievably careful investing there. Uh, We are paranoid does not quite describe how we feel about the West Coast as a whole and in particular California. Uh, So far we have we have been uh, I'll say we're lucky, but really it comes down to our team. They're just they're incredible. They've gotten it very, very right. And we will continue to, to uphold that that diligent standard. So I, I can tell you, I mean, we've we've seen farms sell uh, all over the place where we we ran from those farms, and and uh, we we continue to say no, uh, you know, at, at a orders of magnitude higher uh, rate than we say yes. Very interesting. Uh, I think we're all very aware that California and those areas have droughts, so it's impressive that you could find uh, farmland that does get enough water that. They've been able to survive these things. That's not something that's plentiful at this time. Um, but Carter, thank you so much for joining us. Anyone on here that wants to learn more about AcreTrader, go to AcreTrader.com. Um, and then anyone listening to FinTech Today, if you don't subscribe to our newsletter, check that out. The website is FinTechToday.co. Otherwise, thank you, Carter. We'll have to have you back on again when you have those return numbers. Thanks, Julie.